Welcome to the Imagine Place podcast. I'm your host, Doug Shapiro, and I'm searching for voices that can help inspire a more creative and courageous you. I was listening to an episode of The Disrupted Workforce, and I heard this quote, the comfortable expert has become the restless learner. That has been rattling around my head now for days. Lately, I've been having these moments, just these general feelings of uneasiness about the pace of change. AI has found its way into my weekly work. I've developed new habits at home. I'm using Alexa for, for like everything. So selfishly, I wanted to explore the subject of change readiness. I don't think I'm alone here. Every person, every organization, everything, everyone is grappling with change readiness. So what I love to do is get out and explore a subject in person to gain a deeper understanding. So I did this in Pittsburgh at the Minicon convention, bringing you five unique conversations. You're gonna learn from people who love change and you'll learn from people who are terrible at change. But here's the thing, each interview came with a unique and specific lesson around change. Yes, five interviews, five takeaways for change readiness. And I'll start with someone you might know, designer from Perkins Eastman and former Imagine a Place podcast guest, Jane Hallinan. So Jane, we are here together in Pittsburgh. in Pittsburgh. This is so exciting to be in your hometown. Still city. I had an idea for Pittsburgh and it's not necessarily Pittsburgh centric, but it's the idea of change readiness at an organizational level, but then also change readiness at the personal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change readiness, I think from the design perspective is still really challenging because I don't think that a lot of our clients are responding in an agile way to a solution that needs to be met with agile thinking. I think what has been or what can be uh, an obstacle to that is really the personal level of being able and willing to change. And I think that the pandemic forced everyone to change so much. Also, during the pandemic, everyone who still had work were, were so felt so fortunate and grateful to be working that we went into turbo drive of working, that it was every second of every hour is productive. And then when we returned to the office, and you got distracted, or air quotes distracted, by talking to your coworkers about how their weekend was, and then you're like, oh crap, you know, five minutes have gone by, I need to make up these five minutes. It has just shifted people's thinking that of what productivity is and what that Mm. means. And so I think that culture has taken a little bit of a backseat to productivity and how expensive things are, how expensive construction is and renovation and how much time or not time is available to accomplish these things. But I think to to challenge that, we need to encourage ourselves to be flexible, to try something new and to be like, this sounds so cliche because we've all heard it before, but be okay with failing. If Mm. you try a new work posture um, in your studio or in your office, and it takes you five minutes to plug in all your stuff or you're not the most productive, you get interrupted more often, like 
that's okay. That wasn't an afternoon of like failed time. That was you tried something new and maybe you liked it or maybe you didn't. You know, I, I want to ask you about some hacks maybe. So maybe your favorite interior design hacks when it comes to creating change ready spaces. Like is there a product or is there like a, um, an application or something that you love? What we find to be really successful in changing, especially from a more traditional way of working to new, is having the right maybe ecosystem of space types adjacent to one another. Mm. Because if you want staff to still collaborate, but you want the workstations to still be a sacred place of heads down space. Right, not super noisy. Not super yeah. noisy. This is something every single one of our clients is concerned about is... They understand that collaboration is really important. They want to see people in the office. People want to be in the office to see their employees and their coworkers. But when it's all happening in one place, it's too noisy and it's not serving anyone. And so it's really this ecosystem of having phone rooms nearby, or it could just be little collaboration spaces that they can duck into because if they have to cross the floor plate or go way too far out of their way to find something, they're not they're not gonna do it. So, so proximity is huge. Proximity. That's wow. a great way of taking a long ramble <laughs> and turning it into one perfect well, word. But it makes sense I mean I needed mm -hmm. all that context to really understand the importance of why. You know? And the technology is the added side to it. I can only place all the right pieces there, encourage all the right people to be there. But if the technology aspect, if you can't plug and play then you won't do that because technology is obviously ingrained into all the work that yep. everyone is doing. And if you can't take your laptop or your iPad, plug it into the room that you're going to share your content, it's not going to be successful. So it's like, there's just so many pieces and you need this like trifecta of all of them. And there's only so much that as an interior designer, I can do and encourage. And then there's, you know, just really ingraining that it's not just one part, it's all the parts that will make it successful. Yes, love that. Um, I, you know, you talk about tech. I started thinking about how many people are still scarred, how many facility managers are still scarred from the, the smart board 10 years ago <laughs> that they convinced their, their CEO to get, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I actually just like, had I, someone ask me no. recently if those are still a thing. It's like, no, no, I mean, nobody can, but, nobody could figure out how to use it. But if no one tried to use it, yes. then we wouldn't have gotten to like, okay, maybe technology over technology, over technologizing. I like that. Um, over technologizing. Yeah. Like how else would you say it? <laughs> right. Adding too much technology is not the answer. And a lot of times, you know, we are putting power in everything and everywhere. Once you put power in things, it that's a tether on oh, a piece of furniture. That's so true. Like, you like know, your ability to reconfigure gets so limited, especially yeah, on the fly. Exactly. And in training rooms, we think about that all the time in these tables and we want the space to be flexible and adaptable. And then you put power in it. It's like you have to plug the power into one another and daisy chain these things. Then you need so many floor boxes to plug them all in. What we find is that no one, you plug them in once or you unplug them then and they're never plugged in. Yeah, and battery life is getting so good now. Yeah. Like you don't. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, every once in a while, yeah, it's a bummer. It happens to me all the time. I show up somewhere and I like press my laptop and it's dead. But 
when we well that's just poor planning <laughs> jane <laughs> there's only so much i can i can work with but if you know we plug in all these things and then it's just stuck yeah, so yeah so yeah but another one of the questions that i want to i really want to answer for you is about personal change readiness oh yeah and how i adapt and work with this so a small personal story that I'm working with. So, you know, I'm a runner. I'm a marathon runner. Yes. And uh, right now I should be about four weeks away from my next marathon. So I should be training for this marathon. And I developed a stress fracture oh. in my foot um, while I was on oh. three days into vacation. And uh, so I can't run my marathon Sorry. anymore. And so I've been, you know dealing with this change of my my own of a, a race that I was really anticipating for a long time. I signed up for this on January 1st and for a race on October 28th. I've been so ready for this. And the way that I've been able to deal with it is, you know, finding joy in other aspects, uh, finding joy in the time that I used to spend running, now being able to turn towards other things. Um, and also I think what always helps me because obviously I was super devastated to not be able to run this, but I've just been able to kind of laugh about things and find humor in it, joking that, you know, a lot of the pro athletes are now pushing their attention to 2024 and the Olympics. And I'm like, Hey, if Sydney McLaughlin is doing that, if she's focusing on 2024, then, Hey, I guess Jane Hallinan's focusing on 2024 too. So. As much as, you know, I'm not, I know that I'm not a professional athlete, uh, finding the humor of pretending I am one, just saying, hey, next year, there's another marathon. I love it, Jane. I I love your attitude. I feel like that is your change readiness hack is your attitude Uh, because that is tough what you're going through there. Mm. And everybody's had to give something up i even think about like all the things that people may have done in a job before that are going away or about to go away and we'll all have to find joy in new stuff jane just has the best attitude it's no wonder she's built such a fantastic network of friends all right i thought her commentary around failure was a great reminder that being change-ready should include an understanding that some changes are just going to flop, and that's okay. Sanela Schnitkin was my next guest, project manager at the University of Pittsburgh. Here she is. So I came to this country about 30 years ago, roughly. Um, Have a background in engineering from overseas. Have an interior design background here in Pittsburgh. I always loved making a difference, making people happy. I always had an eye for color. I liked, I don't know, maybe it's a part of me being a big shopper (laughs) that influences this. And I really didn't realize um, how much impact it made on my life and how apparent it was. A very good friend of mine uh, that lives overseas wrote an article in a high school about a best friend and her her energy and um, she talked about article and she talked about my love for architecture and spaces and colors and how I like to make people happy and how I like people to see and experience 
the space. And it really shocked me because I was in the engineering field. We were in two different cities. And when this got published, I said, oh, my God, I don't even know myself. My oh. best friend knows me better than I know myself. So I better find who I am. Wow. So, so that kind of shaped me in a direction that I wanted to go. Uh, my dream was to be an architect, and I ended up in a structural engineering. And then I was almost done with school when war started in Bosnia. So I lived for a year there, and that that change has influenced all kinds of different things in me. And being school-driven all of my life, I really realized, my God, this is my niche. This is what I want to do. I mean, there is something about that energy of that collegiate campus that Absolutely. is just hard to replicate other places. There's something else I want to get your perspective on here. The challenges that a university has, just in terms of its core function in education and growing students and research, like that is changing at lightning speed. I mean, that it has to find its way into design and facilities, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so like, how does it show up in your world? How, well, basically, um, we work with different departments. There are clients. We call them our clients, but they're part of our university. So we learn as our students learn. So we engage on a different level. We sit down and we have planning meetings. We meet our clients, who would be our professors, who would be our deans, who would be our associate professors, who would be our student body, and we listen. It starts with listening. Mm. It starts with listening, understanding the program needs and requirements. It's a first step in planning and programming. We do that, and then from that point, we get pretty much engaged in every aspect of their program. So they have a direct program directors, and they basically feed us information, as much information as we need throughout the process, and then we have regular meetings, and we learn about Mirage tables that I never in a million years would imagine, didn't even know what Mirage table was five years ago. Uh, we learned about how do we work in a cadaver lab and how things get recorded and ended up in a lounge space laid out as a classroom and a recording studio. I mean, it is, it wow. is, it is just phenomenal. It's just, it's really hard to explain, but we become part of that process of education and we have to understand every aspect of audiovisual layouts, of um, a recording studio requirements, of uh, uh, OR requirements. I mean, just from a medical standpoint. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is such a complex process, but we get in such a nitty-gritty details oh, that help us out kind of develop this big picture. How much of your time, because I'm imagining you taking in all these different functions inside this university, how much of your time is spent in immersion, you know, like experiencing and watching and observing versus planning? Because I'm going to guess there's probably tons of work to do. Yes. And not near enough time that you wish you had for all the exploration. You're right. Um, I can't say a percentage of time, but I'm going to tell you that from moment I engage with my work day, my focus every minute of my day is spent listening. And that is extremely, in my world, I think listening and communication are two most powerful components that lead into the good management. And I listen all day long. So can you pass on some advice for people who want to hone that skill of listening, because there's lots of forms of listening, I'm sure. Absolutely. So tell me maybe some things that you've learned about that over your career. So 
every lecture, it, it, we, we all say we are, we learn who we are and we decide who we want to be. And we decide what kind of message we want to send. And in my mind, it's always um, make a difference. Mm. And if I want to make a difference and help everyone, including myself, the listening to the needs and addressing those components is the main start and, and, and beginning of every task. So when I say <laughs> listening, listening every lecture, listening every presentation, trying to pull everything best out of it, reading a book, evolving, yeah. constant evolving. That's another part of listening. I read a lot. I read a lot for two things. One thing is that I am a foreigner and my fear in life is that I'm going to get old and forget language. And mm. I constantly look to improve in, in my third language, wow. which I always say I'm not very good about. So, do you, do you think that fear is a fear that's unique to you? Or do you think that is something that other people who are immigrants feel? I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's a fear that other people have. It's my personal experience. Wow. And I just don't want to end up in a point to be old and forget. <laughs> my own language <laughs> but anyhow if I read I, I, I find a conclusion of my reading if I'm talking to somebody I'm learning what they're trying to tell me I want to give my attention to everyone that makes a difference in my work day to accomplish what I need to accomplish to make people happy so I don't know if I'm answering this question correctly or not but it is extremely important it really is I think you're also addressing change readiness I mean your pack, your key to change readiness is listening and if you listen, you prepare yourself. I think a very important part of our job and how to be good at it is to prepare yourself. And I follow that and I look at myself. I know who I want to be. I know what I want to do. Sonella, I love how you've gotten to know yourself. Like this idea of, hey, I know what I want. I know what I'm going for. Like there's that step. There's, there's the listening. Like you're going to make listening a part of every day. And then... There's this idea of, you know, and I'm not going to be afraid. Yeah. And I think just the combination of that is such a great mixture of like, a, here's a one, two, three, and you can think about how it relates to you, right? Absolutely. Uh, as a listener, you can imagine, okay, can I, can I do those things? Will that help me through change? I, I love that advice. I, all I have to say is that um, the life is a story. Huh. The life is a story, people that you meet, people that make a difference, that sh shape who you are. They really do shape who you are. You have good teachers and bad teachers. You have good mentors and bad mentors. But the ones that are good, their, their analogies, their advice stays with you for a long time. And you think, as you go through things in life and in, in, at work, you think about those words and it really Every single person has influenced my life that I met that stayed in my mind, influenced my life in one or the other way. That's so well said. So we're all building a story. And shout out to the teachers. I'm the son of a teacher. <laughs> and, and I know, I, I, you know, there were students that would reach out years later, you know, 10 years later, and just tell my mom, thank you so much. Sonella, this was great. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. 
For Sanela, listening is not a verb. Listening is the way she evolves, the way she becomes a more prepared person. So what can we learn from someone who doesn't necessarily love change? Well, you're about to find out. Here's Beverly Shelby, Senior Interior Designer at AE Works. Hey, thanks for meeting me. No, thank you. I'm very excited. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. Oh, awesome. And even more the past few weeks and catching up on everything I've missed. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to make. It's Good. fun to put together. And uh, coming here, I was trying to think of like, what question should I bring to Pittsburgh? And as much as I'd love to explore the Pittsburgh culture, which people from Pittsburgh love to talk about, yes, figuring that out. We do. We, um, yes, very much so. I wanted to talk about change readiness. Okay. At a personal level, how are you making yourself change ready? Wow, there's so many just thoughts that immediately come out in that that topic. Yeah, it, it definitely is a struggle. Um, I <laughs> I'm on like the far side of like the U change diagram if you've ever had to take that survey. <laughs> so I know I'm not the first one to jump on change. I'm not the first one in line for the new iPhone. That's just not me. Yep. I don't want to be the guinea pig. Even when it comes to materials and finishes, I want to make sure it's a true and tried product before I recommend it and put it in a building so it doesn't fail. But no, I, I need to be more adept to and, and just take some more challenges and, and chances. So um, I do that in the evening. I try to test out a few things. I bounce ideas off my husband. He's always pushing me, which is great, saying, go oh, try this new thing. We talk about it. So yes, AI is definitely part of our our life now. Um, learning new ways, how to use it, um, how to to make me more efficient, but yeah. not depend on it. Um, what, what this U this U change curve. What what is yeah. this curve? I've never heard of that. Oh, so and it's this is super a, interesting. I'm like, I wonder where I fall. So I, just yeah. the idea of self awareness around where you're at on that curve probably matters. It definitely does. Because if there's a technology change, personally, I'm not the one that like jumps in on it. I'm like, oh, okay, let me let me see how it works first and test it out. I'm not the first one in line for technology changes. Right. So I, I know. And and you, if you get in my car and you hear the CD that's playing currently, because I am playing a CD instead that of Spotify, awesome. because I just, I go to the library with my kids and I grab random CDs from the library and oh I put gosh. in something silly. I feel so nostalgic yeah. right now. Just <laughs> I know, right? Of like <laughs> sliding that in. Right. And, and my daughter was reading the back of it. So, oh, um, that's cool. There's something about a little bit of tradition and holding on to that tradition. And I I'm, agree. I'm always trying to teach uh, <laughs> my junior staff and and just a little bit of something about some 80s and 90s music, which I think is a little fun. Nice. It's just, it brings you joy, but yet still learn and and embrace and not say, oh no no no, that's new. I don't want to do that. That's certainly not in my repertoire. But it might take me a little bit. To, yeah. to to do that. So what is what change. is this? Can yeah. anybody take this test, or how yes. does that work? Um, my goodness, forgive me. I don't remember the name of it. I will share it with you, though. Okay. It's something that's just ingrained at AE Works. You take the survey when you start, and then you understand where you are on this Venn diagram um, with entrepreneurs, uh, specifically our CEO. He's on one far far side of the U change diagram. Like yes, he constantly going and going and being inventive and evolving. And then there's some of us, like myself and the spec writer, <laughs> we like stability. We're on yeah. this side and yeah. we'll slowly integrate uh, when we're changing things 
at yeah. the office. Yeah. And the world the world needs us all. Yes. But when it comes to design, if I see something that's like new and creative, then I'm like, ooh, that's fun and fresh. But yet at the same time I'm looking around, there's fun and fresh here, but with a hint of nostalgia put into it. So I think it makes the change and that evolution more easy. And you can, like, I'm looking at the colors around me and the shapes around me. And there's not something that's, oh, this is completely brand new. This is a new thought and a new method of doing something that was classic, but changing it and making it fresh recurrent. That is actually a really smart concept. Just the idea of when you, when you have radical change in a place, right, in our physical surroundings, bringing elements of nostalgia one way or another, yes. whatever it is, into that space, that probably does help create a sense of stability or a sense of, you know, familiarity. Yes, exactly. And that also helped with that particular client keeping something that is familiar to them, um, helped that process when we completely renovated their, their space, but kept the some elements that were familiar. Yeah. And then it was also the big radical change. Everybody was working from home for quite a while and it was the first time going into a new building. So that helped, I think, yeah. because they realized, Creates Oh, distance. the last time I was at my desk was a year and a half ago. It's going to look different and be prepared for that, but yet bring in some of those familiar things like the their favorite sofa that was in one area that, well, that's their couch and that's where they wanna sit and read a book at lunchtime. So that things like that, we didn't get rid of all of those items, but we enhanced them. <laughs> I love it. I love yes. your advice here. Beverly, this has been fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Such a unique and often overlooked conclusion. From Beverly's chat, the role of nostalgia in creating a sense of stability in the face of major change, I thought that was super interesting. If you're plotting a major shift in your workplace, or maybe where you live, whatever it is, what those physical things are that you can bring along that create a sense of nostalgia could be a great hack to being more change ready. All right, now we move on to the change junkie. Meet Pam Austin, brand ambassador for Burns Scalo. Burns Scalo is a vertically integrated real estate company. They have about 3 million square feet under management. I was actually interviewing her in one of her own buildings. We had a tenant, or actually our first tenant in this building, that really wanted to change their culture, modernize. And so they did a whole process with the committee to get people ready for that change. And it was, it was a really fun process for us because we got to go to their town hall and really be the cheerleader about how this space is gonna really be great for them. Um, but I think you know involving all the stakeholders and, and getting them involved in the planning process is really important too. Yeah, I and mean, that's interesting. I'm curious about your firm's role in that. Like how often do you find yourself as part of that change management team? Yeah, um, well, it's interesting now. H, you know, HR has a lot to do with um, search for spaces because it really is about the people that are using this space, right? right. It's really not the old uh, VP of real estate that's necessarily leading that charge. So we did work with um, the head of HR in this this committee, and uh, you know, 
we had to help them imagine, you know, what it is that they they could do here, um, how this, how the not only the the building but the surrounding neighborhood could also be a part of that change. Um, how that would that would help them grow and retain employees, help them recruit employees. Yeah. So we had to really like imagine everything, the amenities that are in here, but also that are outside to help them with that. I love that. I think that is a super important change that's taking place is the involvement of that HR voice outside those four walls and, and speaking with real estate. All right, let's talk about your own personal change readiness. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for some, it's an easy subject. For others, they struggle with change readiness. Where are you on that spectrum? Uh, I'm probably extreme. I was a biology major in college, worked in Africa for the Field Museum. Oh my gosh. Worked in a laboratory. Then when in grad school, I managed a tennis shop where I met a man that was a developer, went into real estate, was in Chicago working there for 18 years and then flipped to, uh, to Pittsburgh. Wow. So I think I adopt pretty well to change. What has that taught you about change like what advice can you offer someone who maybe has been in only one or two places I, I really tell people that a straight line is not the most interesting path <laughs> right it's okay to zig and zag a little because you first of all you meet people that you never know like get recycled in your life in new ways so there's the, you know your Rolodex is, is huge right we always say your um, your network is your, your network worth right so yes. yeah so um people those relationships are really important but you're also just gaining skills that again you can repackage and use to apply to your new field so i just think it it makes you think on your feet you know there's so many skills that you get from um veering outside of your comfort zone and trying new things that's so cool like what so what were you doing in africa exactly <laughs> So we were, um, we were doing surveys, biological surveys, to see the diversity of species in this area. And we were actually collecting specimens that went back to the museum and uh, scientists used them to study. Wow. <laughs> what a zigzag life. Well, Pamela, this has been great to host you and thank you for hosting me in your space. Great, well, I hope you enjoy the Vision on 15. There's the old saying, change either happens to you or for you. Pam has certainly put change to good use. I love her reminder that change almost always comes with meeting new people along the way. All right, last up on this episode is Ralph Dallier. Ralph is the president of Franklin in Pittsburgh, provider of all things workplace interiors. Ralph and his firm are also the creators of Minicon in Pittsburgh, so I was kind of his guest in a way. The lesson from Ralph was a truly unexpected moment. It's a strategy that businesses can put into play right away to build a more change-ready company. Here's Ralph. Well, thank you for coming uh, to Minicon 2023. Yeah. And uh, this is your first time, right? It's my first time here. I was blown away. Okay. Um, the professionalism and how smooth this has been. But how beautiful all these spaces are. I mean, it's been it's, amazing. I genuinely was uh, surprised in the best way when I got here. I was yeah. like, wow, this is really well done. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about change readiness in your organization for yeah. you personally. I mean, there's so much happening out there, right? We're, 
we're kind of coming back from this pandemic. We have new understandings, there's new expectations, there's generational changes. Yeah. There are changes in technology like AI. How are you thinking about you know, preparing your organization to be the next version of itself? Yeah. Well, I think people, 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 right? It's all about getting the, the right people in your organization. And I'm very, very fortunate that I have a, a very capable, bright uh, daughter that uh, was in the technology world uh, for a few years and um, kind of realized what uh, she really is passionate about it. She made the comment to me. She said, you know, you've been doing this a long time. You don't realize how cool your business really is. <laughs> you know, in software, you know, we sell something. She goes, seldom do I ever meet the customer. And, um, and if it doesn't really work right, we just sell them some more stuff. And she <laughs> said, in your business, you meet the community, yeah. you're involved with uh, a purpose that everybody likes. They want it to be neat and interesting and help them. And it's not that software doesn't do that, she says, but it's just so tangible and I can touch it and feel it. Yeah. So it's been a delight to have her part of the company, which also then, you know, brings in a whole lot of perspective that we didn't necessarily have in our business before. Her view of the way the world's changing has really helped our company evolve because um, with your question about change readiness, um, that's about all we can do is be ready because as we've mm. learned, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen next. Yeah. So to be agile and to be able to move with the future, I think um, we're, we're, we're we have the benefit of a, a lot of different generational talent. The wisdom of someone my age, yeah. but the innovative thinking of, of people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s that's uh, really helping making Franklin a much, uh, much better company. You know, I, I can hear your passion and the story of Jackie is interesting. I, I think we often overlook how, how cool we are yeah. and how unique our industry is. And it takes people from outside the industry to kind of come Absolutely. in yeah. and remind us. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we've had the same thing in our organization, people that have come from outside and are just enamored by different things. Uh, they're enamored by the creative people that they get to engage with. I think to Jackie's point, I love the accountability yeah. of our of our what we do in that, you know, you're you're helping to create this space and you can't run and hide after that. Mm -hmm. You know, like did it work? Did it work? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you're gonna hear all about it if it didn't. Yeah. And you have to be part of the part of the next solution. Yeah. Uh, and that that's that's also fine. I mean the stakes are high. Yes. The stakes are high. So I I know burnout is a thing. Yeah. But uh, it is really amazing yeah. when you can get it right. right. Do you feel any burnout here? I don't, right? actually. I've been speaking to a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's just Pittsburgh or what, but yeah. like, they're, oh, you know why? It's football season, yeah. <laughs> right? Everybody goes crazy here. Well, we did season. win Monday night. That helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the prettiest win, but it did help a lot. Well, Ralph, thank you for bringing this whole thing to life. I really appreciate uh, the energy that you've brought to, to Pittsburgh and this space. Uh, this is cool to be a part of. Great. Thank you. The strategy of being intentful with multi-generational leadership and input truly creates an anti-fragile approach to change. Love this idea that you can blend old wisdom with fresh thinking and put yourself in a better position. It seems like something any business can start putting into play right now. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I always love getting new ideas. So if you've got questions you want perspectives on, reach out, find me on LinkedIn.